Hello and welcome to the first episode of my podcast, Two Moons Wellness. My name is Jess and I'm your host. I am a spiritual coach and astrologer, uh, an artist, many things, but first off, I'm a human being <laughs> and I wanted to start this podcast to kind of highlight some of uh, my trauma healing journey as well as give some information about mindfulness and all that. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to the Ram Dass podcast. I listen to the Alan Watts podcast and I love the information that they put forward. And so I wanted to put forward some of my own content for the people that follow along my journey. These are the things that I found really helpful. And what better way to do it where I don't have to show my face. I love that. <laughs> I have lots of things to read and discuss um, kind of openly, I guess, because I'm by myself for this first episode. Um, and eventually I would love to invite other people along to give commentary. Um, and also anybody who's listening, DM me your feedback too. <laughs> I found something that I love from Your True Home by Thich Nhat Hanh. And I've been reading out of this book a lot on my TikTok and my Instagram and posting it in my shadow work groups on Facebook and stuff. But I'm obsessed. I got this at the library, so I'm going to have to write all this stuff down. I have my readings tabbed right now with little colored sticky tabs but this is number 81 don't run away and I chose this because it was really relevant to all the work that I do with shadow work my own personal shadow work the shadow work that I help other people walk through is all about not running away it's about facing everything that is the beauty of human existence is finding the courage within to keep going, even when it's challenging. All of the Buddhist material and uh, Hindu material that I consume talks about leaning into the suffering, understanding that it's so essential to human existence. And I really have embodied that in my own belief system. Uh, but I wanted to read this. So this is... Uh, number 81 out of the book. The pages aren't numbered, just the readings. So anyway. The tendency to run away from suffering is there in every one of us. We think that by seeking pleasure, we'll avoid suffering. But this doesn't work. It stunts our growth and our happiness. Happiness isn't possible without understanding, compassion, and love. And love is not possible if we don't understand our suffering and the other person's suffering. <clears throat> Excuse me. Getting in touch with suffering will help us cultivate compassion and love. Without understanding and love, we can't be happy and we can't make other people happy. We all have the seeds of compassion, forgiveness, joy, and non-fear in us. If we are constantly trying to avoid suffering, then there is no way for these seeds to grow. I feel like pretty much in everything that I've been reading recently, it speaks very much to looking at the darkness, peering in. I started reading The Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts, which I really had on my shelf in my office when I was a counselor. 
I would go to Goodwill or whatever and I would just pick up self-help books and throw them in my office. And this one I thought, oh, it looks good. I got it at Goodwill for like a dollar. And come to find out it's written by a Zen Buddhist whom I've really grown to admire and listen to a lot, Alan Watts. And anyway, this is The Wisdom of Insecurity and I picked it up and it's it's so much about shadow work, about this divided self and all the other books that I've been picking up have to do with, you know, this suffering, the darkness, leaning in and integrating that into the light and understanding the duality of life. And it just was so fitting. And I don't believe in coincidences anymore anyway. So I feel like that has been very affirmative being on the right path of, you know, being into shadow work. And anybody that follows me on social media knows I really can't shut up about it. And my friends and people close to me as well know that, you know, it's a lot of shadow work talk in my life. And with that, I comes a lot of suffering. I don't even know another nice way to say it. My friends who also do shadow work know that there's pain associated with growth in this area of looking at the dark parts of myself um, and not just looking at them, but learning how to love them in a compassionate way. And that's where I really got into Buddhism and mindfulness about having compassion, uh, not only towards other people, but towards myself and these unevolved parts of myself. <clears throat> and, you know, I guess the first, uh, <laughs> first episode is going to be about shadow work. What better topic? I mean, it's what is in the forefront of my own life. It's what I'm doing professionally is, uh, doing shadow work and hosting shadow work sessions to try to explain to people what's going on there. Um, I learned about the shadow self in college initially, learning about Carl Jung and his writings about this darker piece of self. And upon further investigation, it's been talked about um, for eons, it feels like. This book I was, oh, it's in my lap. This book by Alan Watts where he talks about the divided self, uh, which my interpretation was the shadow self was first written in 1951. So it's not a new idea of like the divided self slash sad shadow self and Carl Jung was in the days of Freud. So it's really old things that I feel great that they're coming into the forefront. They've been so beneficial to me in my life. Um, I spent 18 years on and off in a 12-step recovery group, and in that time, I conditioned myself to want to rid myself of these terrible defects of character. And, uh, you know, flash forward to now, I have come to have whole self-acceptance. I don't strive to rid myself of anything. I strive for investigation. I want to look at the roots of what that is. And for me, and what I tell people when I do shadow work with them, is that is shadow work, looking at the roots, looking at the backside of the feeling. And that has been the roots of my mindfulness as well, looking at these roots. What are the roots of the problem here? Um, when I was a treatment counselor, <laughs> 
I did a lot of groups on like anger and I would use my anger as an example because it's something I've struggled with my entire life. I grew up seeing an anger problem, experiencing an anger problem, and it was how I was shown to get my anger and my feelings out was to punch stuff, to be mad, to throw stuff. And it was really hard to overcome. And so I would talk in my treatment groups about, you know, my anger and how I had to come to an understanding with my anger somehow. And even through all that time in 12-step recovery and um, doing groups about anger, I still had these like terrible seeds of anger that I was so ashamed of because I felt like, damn, I've been here doing this work for so long. At that point, I had been like eight years straight doing a really hard 12-step work and being a treatment counselor and I had these expectations that I wouldn't be angry anymore, which is silly. I'm a person. I'm a human being. And I don't know. I I convinced myself at some point I would just never feel angry again, which is laughable now. Uh, And so I say that to say that, you know, my shadow work led me down a different path, uh, a path of acceptance over this piece of myself um, and looking at where these explosive roots come from, you know, using my anger in a different way, investigating my responses to things that make me really angry. Is it really about that or do I just have some unresolved feelings in that area? Maybe not even that area, unrelated area. And, you know, mindfulness definitely teaches that too about having an investigative mind, looking at your situation not as as a participant but as an observer of it so you can investigate more um and these are the things that i think about every single day every situation i encounter i think about well let me just try to step outside and look from an investigative eye and see if i am the problem which you know i would say more than half the time uh i am the problem my perceptions are the problem i'm looking at it from a very personalized view And it does take, like, it takes some self-awareness to be able to say, it's me, I'm the problem. But uh, it's made my life a lot easier not personalizing absolutely everything that happens around me, that's for sure. Um, Anyway, we're going to circle back to Alan Watts and the wisdom of insecurity. Um... Because I do believe, you know, my interpretation of this is he's talking about the shadow, the shadow self. Let me find it. (laughs) All my little tabs. Um, He he was, he has crossed over at this point into his next life. He talks about uh, basically Zen Buddhism in the now, which in the then, in the 1950s. And so anyway, this is on page 110 of the Wisdom of Insecurity. And he says, despite all theories, you feel that you are isolated from life as long as you are divided within. And then he goes on a couple pages later to talk more about the divided self on page 115. So long as the mind is split, life is a perpetual conflict, tension, frustration, and disillusion. Suffering is piled on suffering, fear on fear, boredom on boredom. 
The more the fly struggles to get out of the honey, the faster he is stuck. Under the pressure of so much strain and fertility, it is no wonder that all men seek to release in violence and sensationalism and in reckless exploitation of their bodies, their appetites, the material world, and their fellow men. What this must add to the necessary and unavoidable pains of existence is incalculable. But the divided mind is free, the undivided mind, excuse me, the undivided mind is free from this tension of trying always to stand outside oneself and to be elsewhere than the here and now. Each moment is lived completely and thus there is a sense of fulfillment and completeness. That hit me like a ton of bricks when I read that. This next part too, I thought about this and I think about this a lot. The divided mind comes to the dinner table and pecks at one dish after another, rushing without digesting anything to find one better than the last. It finds nothing good because there is nothing in which it really tastes. And I was like, damn, okay, Alan Watts. And it just, it really rings true. The more time that I spend searching for the next best thing, promising myself as long as I have this, I'll be happy. If I get this, I'll be happy. If I do this, I'll be happy. I will honestly never find any happiness or fulfillment in this life at all. And I didn't really know that for so long. Painful long. I'm 34 now. And I feel like now at 34, I'm beginning to understand that I'm very, very small in the existence of the universe. And I, in fact, do not know shit. And thank God, because I'm finding some happiness for sure. And striving for the next best thing has caused a lot of distress in my life. When I focus on the now and I truly taste the food, so to speak, as he was talking about, and I live in the moment and I experience the joys of the moment, I do find happiness and fulfillment and life is good. Um... Even when it's not good, even when I have no money in my bank account, no gas in my gas tank, if I enjoy that simple moment, whatever it is, the breeze outside, the birds chirping, playing with my child, making a meal with the food that I am blessed with, if I live in that moment, the one that's happening, I do feel happiness and fulfillment. I do feel joy. And that is part of addressing the shadow, part of my shadow self, my hedonic shadow self growing up in poverty is I always want more. I always want a bigger house, a nicer car, more stuff. I want and I want and I want. And it's been a big part of my spiritual path and my shadow work to be more mindful of that, be more mindful of my consumption my meditation practice extends to eating meditation, shopping meditation, when I need to go to the grocery store to get something. Um, I try to practice my breasts and ask myself, do I need that? Like, I think about the money that I earn, how I earn that. Do I need to spend it on this item? I think that uh, shadow work can definitely be extended into all kinds of different practices. And also... And I say this a lot, the best part about shadow work uh, and the spiritual 
exploration is that it's yours. It's yours to explore. It's yours to do whatever you want. You can do sweat lodge, witchcraft, church. It really doesn't matter. It's your own personal path. You know, the at least for me, the, the shadow work questions in the books that I've written have been about uh, your feelings, your past, your experiences. It's not conditioned to any one spiritual belief. It's about opening your mind to what is going on with you. And uh, yeah. I think the versatility and individual like tailor-made nature of shadow work is probably what attracted me after being in 12-step recovery for so long. Um, having a sponsor and doing the same workbook for several years, I really have a problem with authority, I guess. <laughs> uh, after I learned astrology, I figured that out as a confirmation. But, you know, I had a lot of things I didn't address in my step work. I had some really intense childhood trauma that I didn't really want to talk about with a therapist or another person, and I still kind of don't want to talk about it. But through shadow work, I was able to process that and journal about it, um, do meditations. I found inner child healing guided meditations really, really helpful when it came to comforting my past self. Um, and really like parenting my younger self through that trauma, through meditation was absolutely life-changing to me. And, you know, I had a lot of mental blocks I felt like with anxiety, depression, CPSD that I really couldn't like settle my mind to meditate. And for me, you know, I, I, I use psilocybin. I did microdosing and it helped my brain just like settle. <laughs> I was able to step outside of myself and I just finished writing a book about that where, you know, it's, it's kind of like the first time I've been really, really open about it because I have been in 12-step recovery for a long time. I didn't want to talk about it. I felt shame or, you know, I didn't want people to think bad of me, but at this point it's changed my life so much. I'm, ex I'm trying to be extremely open about it. So I'm going to talk about it here on the first episode of my podcast. Um, and so, you know, like opening my, my mind up to where I could be quiet and sit. And it was life-changing. It still has been. Um, the way that I can just be and observe and learn about myself in ways that I never could. And self-guided shadow work has been extremely helpful. And I did other people's workbooks. I did a couple workbooks, and I talk about this in my in my book and in my shadow work groups. Is I, you know, I started just doing other people's workbooks, and I found that to be really helpful. The questions seemed a lot more investigative on myself than anything else, um, and they weren't focused on my addiction. Which you know, when I was doing twelve step work. I didn't really use drugs for that long. I had a lot of childhood trauma. I had a lot of trauma to work through. And the step work out of the out of the books in 12-step recovery just really didn't hit the spot for me after about five years of doing them. There was still so much anger and resentment and anxiety. And I still couldn't sleep. And I still was having health problems. And I do believe that addressing... My childhood trauma has helped my physical health, but I guess we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> um, the self-guided work has been 
a way for me to also pat myself on the back to say like, you know, I can track my progress in my writing, in my work, in my questions, in my self-assessments, and I can give myself um, the validation that I needed in a group setting, in a meeting, or from um, a sponsor. I can get that from myself, from my my couple support group, who I can talk about um, my progress with. And I always say that too in my groups and with the people I work with is get some people, maybe two, one if you can, person that you can talk to really openly about the process because it can be really unearthing, which is why grounding work is super important too. (laughs) Um, And I leaned heavily into meditation and mindfulness it allowed space between my thoughts and my actions which I desperately needed with explosive anger issues and bad anxiety and even after years of work you know it's not like I've been doing self-work for a thousand years like this um I've been doing shadow work and meditation uh and psilocybin therapy for three years now and which is not a long time at all. I'm just very excited and I want everybody to have the type of progress that I had. Um, And it's been really life-changing for me. It has allowed me to process horrific events of my childhood. uh, And I'm so grateful for that. It's brought me some peace. I can, like like I stated earlier, I can be in the moment and enjoy the sun shining through the window, enjoy a breeze, enjoy holding hands with my partner in the moment and not worry about the hundred other things that I need to do and not seek the next thing, not promise myself I'll be happy when I finish the book, I'll be happy if the book does well, I'll be happy when this happens, I'll be fulfilled when this happens. It's just not a way to live. It hasn't been for me anyway. Um... You can do whatever you want, though. (laughs) I tell everybody that. Don't listen to me if it doesn't make sense to you. That's fine. This is what's been helpful. Uh, And there's been a lot of research and studies about mindfulness really helping and meditation helping. And also psilocybin therapy helping people with complex PTSD and childhood trauma. People who suffer from obsessive compulsive disorder have benefited from it. Ketamine treatments, psilocybin treatments, those are all things that have been studied for years and years and years and years. It's why Ram Dass and Timothy Leary got fired from Harvard was studying the benefits of LSD in psychotherapy. And it's definitely something that I've come to believe in wholeheartedly. And it's not for everybody, for sure. I'm not saying go out and take mushrooms. Uh, That's definitely not what I'm saying. This has been a controlled environment and a controlled dosage you know anyway I will definitely elaborate more on that on another episode uh for now these are going to be 30 minute episodes Uh, it's about my attention span for a podcast anyway so here in our last couple minutes I wanted to leave you with uh, something I do read every day which is the Tao of Joy 365 days of living, of Tao living. And uh, I come to open rando pages. And today, when I was flipping through, I came to day 16, <clears throat> excuse me, which is titled Emptiness. 
fitting. <laughs> there is an important concept of non-existence and non-being in the Tao, but it is more than nothingness. It is the void that contains possibilities waiting for manifestation. Think of it as an emptiness bursting at the seams with infinite potentialities. The silence of the Tao is connected to this concept. A Tao cultivator regards quietness as far more than passive silence. It is the dynamic tranquility in the emptiness of the Tao full of potentials for swift and effective action. When we completely clear the mind of cluttering thoughts, what remains is not an empty void. Rather, it is a focal point of the personal void, seemingly containing nothing and yet filled with the invisible seeds of destiny. When harnessed in accordance with Tao teachings, it becomes the birthplace of powerful life transformations. The Tao today. When the mind is busy, full of noisy thoughts, you cannot excel or be creative. You are fully occupied, running around, frantically trying to stay ahead of the chaos. The opposite occurs when your mind is at peace. When you quiet the inner noise, you create the possibility to be at your best and most creative. Your silent mind becomes the conduit link you linking you <clears throat> to the unbound emptiness of the Tao. Thank you so much if you've made it this far for listening to the first episode here. Um, my social media handle is the same on everything, Two Moons Crafts PDX, and this is Two Moons Wellness. My YouTube channel is also Two Moons Wellness. Uh, thank you so much, and I look forward to recording this again. Thanks.